Welcome to the Vaughn Nelson Podcast. My guest today is CEO and CIO, Chris Walls. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Dan. Good to be here. Good to have you, Chris. Uh, very exciting week. Um, we certainly want to talk a bit about the election and what's going on with the market, but we should kick off with where we normally do with, with jobless. Uh, jobless claims, we saw this week's continuing claims, saw a bit of a modest improvement. They were down about 500,000. Um, but as we've seen of late, that improvement was offset by 278,000 increase in pandemic unemployment assistance continuing claims. Uh, so it seems like our prior trends that we've discussed are still in place. We've seen nearly 50% of the improvement in weekly state claims being offset by the PUA assistance. Do you think that's correct? Does that sound about right to you? And what are your thoughts there? Yeah, no, Dan, unfortunately, that, that's definitely the trend that is, is well established now. Now we've got four weeks of data and of overlapping data because the continuing claims are reported on the lag versus the initial claims. But it, it's clear now that that's definitely the trend, that easily 50% of the improvement we're seeing in the weekly jobless claims is just the expiration of benefits. And that ties back into where we are in the calendar. Uh, there's 26 weeks of state benefits. We're probably around the 30-week the mark. Uh, there's an incremental 13 weeks for those that qualify for PUA assistance. Uh, but the other thing that was interesting in, in the jobs number, and uh, you know, we saw a weak ADP report yesterday. We're starting to see in surveys that layoffs are being caused by really new uh, declines in demand rather than uh, you know, previous uh, pandemic-related issues. So you know, there's no doubt we're, we're running out of opportunity here, and we're going to need stimulus that uh, you know, we, we need to be careful. Otherwise, we need to start talking about a double dip, not now, but, you know, in the first quarter, if we don't see additional stimulus fairly soon. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of off that, about maybe stimulus the market running, we've seen the market running. We're, we're a couple of days now past the election, and it doesn't appear that we are any closer to a resolution of who's going to be in the White House. Um, but we see an extraordinarily powerful market rally, and it seems to be discounting some good news. And so, you know, what, what is your take on the election um, and then this, this market rally? Do you think it's justified? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I think both parties can claim a victory in, in some sense. Or I shouldn't say it that way. Constituents on both sides can claim a victory because I think what – really the results reflect because no matter how the electoral vote comes out, it was clearly a very tight race at a state level. Um, and that's also true at the Senate. And certainly at the House, you know, a lot of the more progressive policies were rejected where we've seen the Democrats actually lose seats rather than hold those positions and gain a tremendous amount of seats in the Senate. And I really think this election, and I think this is why the market may be rallying, is this. we had two very weak presidential candidates. Right? There's no reason as polarizing as Trump is at the point where we've gone through a depression and still 20 million people unemployed um, and there's no question there's parts of the pandemic that could have been handled better, that he should be this close in the running. Uh, and that's clearly an indictment of his opponent. 
but I think more than it being the opponent, it's a reflection that the extremes on the right and the extremes on the left have taken over the narratives of the parties. And when you look at, let's just assume it's a Biden win and the Senate is either 50-50 or still Republican majority, that's the population rejecting extremism on both sides. It's saying we don't want the far left progressives. That's why we saw seats lost in the House and very few gained in the Senate. And at the same time, we don't want the, the, the far right and we don't want this, this radical divisive government. So Trump, we're not that excited about what you're bringing to the White House. So it was very much, I think, a rejection of the extremes. And to the extent that news is taken to heart by the political parties and is reflected in their actions going forward, I think the market has reason to rally. The other thing is it, it, it definitely takes off the table extreme policy moves initially. Whether or not the Republicans control the Senate, the margin's going to be so narrow for either party that there's going to have to be negotiations and reaching across the aisle. And it also means significant tax cuts aren't likely. And at the same time, it also means, you know, a big Green New Deal and really large stimulus isn't likely. And those have counterbalancing positives and negatives. So I think all all said, I think the market's rallying because I think we know we're going to get resolution that, you know, for the most part, voting went off without a hitch. We're going through the counting. It's taking a long time uh, to do the counting. I think in a lot of reasons, everybody knows how critical and close it's going to be. And if you're at a county clerk level, you're, you know, dotting your I's and crossing your T's and you're going to do it right. And that's, I think what's going to be reflected will adjudicate certain uh, counties and counts in the courts as we do every election. So there's nothing unusual happening here. Um, and then we're going to get to a resolution. So the mark can see that, hey, so far we're going to get to a resolution. Hey, the nation rejected the extremes on both sides and we're going to have gridlock in Washington. And initially that is going to be perceived as a positive I think once the reality comes to fruition that we actually need some fairly robust fiscal spend and it's going to be ongoing, that may turn into a negative because we may not get as much as we need. But for now, you know, call it a relief rally. And, and within this relief rally, it's, it's hard to miss that that the FANG stuff have, have really taken off once again. And we've seen a bit further separation between between growth and value. What what do you think the market's telling us when we see this? And and do you think that's likely to continue? Yeah. So I, I would be careful of reading too much into the first days of trading activity post-election. And the reason I say that is we really have shifted the, the structure of the stock market this year and the options market is really the driver of the stock market. And there were very, very large option positions on going into the election. And those need to be unwound. And so I think that's driving a lot of the extreme views. A good example is, uh, you know, yesterday, the small cap regional bank index was down nearly 7%, which is a massive move for an index. 
Today, it's up nearly 5%. Nearly every index is up almost the exact same amount uh, over, a, over a two or three day period. So when I see stuff like that, that's more indicative of positioning being unwound rather than discounting a future fundamental. So I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, there's cause certainly for tech rally to the extent they're in the blue wave, and specifically tech meaning the ones that were most in the crosshairs from an antitrust standpoint. Uh, any severe antitrust movement is going to be more difficult now. Now, again, there's positives and negatives. The positive is, uh, you know, the leaders of the market get moving higher. The negative is they're monopolies that need to be broken up, and because they're not, you know, we're going to continue to drive wealth and opportunity inequality. Same with healthcare. Healthcare rallied very significantly because it means there's not going to be an appetite for a single payer system and conian changes in healthcare. But at the same time, it's completely out of control as far as healthcare spending and more importantly, the cost of health insurance to individuals. And so we do need some draconian changes. Um, but I think we'll get all those in, in kind of a second order effect. I think the biggest delta and the biggest movement I've seen that was interesting is the movement we saw in the dollar today, the significant decline in the dollar. And I think that's more reflective of what we're seeing in economic fundamentals. And by that, I mean a slowing in the rate of improvement, really, in my mind, weak job numbers considering uh, where we stand with unemployment and the depth of of of, of the uh, drawdown in the economy. And now with uh, the situation in Europe, uh, you know, I think we're, we're in a position where we can see the dollar start to break lower. And if that's going to be the main driver, you're going to see broader participation in the market. So, yeah, the tech stocks have rallied, but let's not underestimate the move we've seen in, in small caps and in the value stocks, uh, whether it's on the cyclical side with materials, um, uh, in some of the consumer names. This has been a, a, a broad rally. And speaking of, you know, speaking of Europe, um, I guess we'll have to flip over to one of our other favorite topics and just looking at the rising cases that we've seen within COVID. Um, Europe has, has gone back into lockdown mode. Um, UK announced an additional increase in, in quantitative easing as a, as a response. Uh, you know, I'm curious if you get your thoughts on if, if we continue to see cases rise um, in the U.S. as we have. Do you think there's any indication that the U.S. will follow a similar path? Yeah, I, I can't imagine there's an appetite for another round of lockdown here. I think when you look at the COVID, the increase in COVID cases, uh, you know, it's interesting. And, you know, there's stark regional differences. And sure, we knew there was going to be a pickup in infection rates with schools reopening. So we've seen that. But when you look at where the the, the rapid acceleration has been, which is kind of up in the Midwest and the Northeast, that's really reflective of the weather. So if you think back to what it was like this summer, uh, spring and summer, when it got hot in the south, we saw a spike in cases as people retreat indoors, and as they retreat indoors, they infect each other. And now as it, we had our first burst of cold weather in the Midwest and Northeast, 
people retreat indoors, and so we're going to see an acceleration in spread. Uh, I suspect that that will get to a higher level and then start to peter out and then start to decline again. So I would consider it another mini wave, and we're going to have this mini wave. Um, and, you know, my bigger concern at this point, and whether it's COVID-related or not, will yet to be determined, is not just the weak employment data that we've been getting, but also we got an ISM services uh, uh, number today, and it was as weak. It's, it hadn't been this week since, I think, last May. I think it was around 56. And at that level, still positive, but as we've said, you know, we need the services side to split the economy. Industrial sector is doing incredibly well. We got an update this week uh, regarding industrial activity uh, internationally, and it's been it's very strong, very strong in China, very strong in Asia, uh, and in India. Uh, when you start looking at the different parts of Asia, India is strong. Uh, you know, the Koreas are strong. Uh, and that's going to continue. Similarly, in the US, industrial side, is going to remain strong. The services side, as we've said, doesn't have this flywheel element that's self-reinforcing with inventory rebuilds. And so it started to, to weaken. It's still positive, but the rate of improvement is slowing. And that rate of change is going to be important to monitor. And I suspect if we don't get stimulus out the door relatively quickly, it could become an issue by the end of the fourth quarter. Um, so I don't think we necessarily follow the same path of Europe. One, we just don't have the appetite for it. Um, but two, it doesn't mean we're not going to have an issue if we don't get stimulus checks out the door. Well, good. Well, Chris, thank you for this. Um, we'll be looking forward to having you again real soon. Hopefully by the next time we speak, we'll have a little more clarity on what's taking place in Washington. Uh, I don't think we're going to see it this week, but um, perhaps we'll have some thoughts on it and, and have some real solutions in the short order. So with that, uh, thank you, and we will catch you here soon. Thanks, Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.